I'm thinking about, I, only, I don't preach that often, so I get lots of opportunities to think about what I want to share with you. And it comes out of my life, all right? And so right now I'm thinking about, there's a lot of hate in our world, isn't there? I mean, I'm told I'm supposed to hate ISIS, right? Because they're bad people. And I'm told I'm supposed to hate somebody of the opposite political party or somebody maybe of my own political party who I don't like. And I'm told I'm supposed to hate the people in San Bernardino who were killed a couple weeks ago. What a terrible thing. But my, my question for you today is, what's the proper response for me as a Christian? What is my proper response to the atrocities in our world? What was it, six, eight weeks ago? How many people were killed in Paris? They were just eating in a restaurant, sitting in a bar. They were at a concert. They were destroyed. What is my response as a Christian? What am I supposed to do with that? What about the attacks that happened on my family from my own government? What's my proper response? Not what I should do or what the government tells me should do, but what is my proper response as a Christian to the struggles in our world? You dealing with this in your life? What is my proper response to the ethnic wars that are going on in our own state? What about the beheading of Christians in the Middle East? Does that make you angry? Most of you are going to deal with healthcare struggles in the next year, and your healthcare, the price of your monthly payment for healthcare is probably going to exceed your monthly mortgage payment. Does that make you angry? It makes me angry. There's struggles in our world over sexual orientation, and what do we do with those kinds of things? And how does our government tell us what we should and shouldn't do? Have I created enough tension in the room yet? How many of you want to stand up and give me your opinion right now on some of those things? Every one of you. I want to challenge you someday. I'm, I'm struggling with this still. I don't have the answers to all of those things. So when I'm preaching this message today, I'm preaching it to myself. So don't think that I'm standing up here telling you I got all the answers. But hopefully together by the end of today... I'm going to give you some guidelines to start on. So what is our proper response? Well, maybe there's not enough tension in the world. I'll throw another one out there as if we need to add one more. What about the struggle over gun ownership? Where am I supposed to be with these things? Well, you all know where I stand on that. Okay, enough. If you're like me, you're weary. You're weary of all the pain in our world. You're weary of all the struggles. You don't even want to turn on the news because it's just going to be another bad thing, right? So is that our answer? Stick our head in the sand? Act like it doesn't happen? No. I'm tired of keeping up the good fight in our society. What is the proper response for me, not as a pastor, but as a Christian in our world? What is your response? What is your proper response in this world 
to all of the struggles, all of the hardship, all of the difficulties, all of the things that you're supposed to hate. And I'm not looking for what the government tells you you should do or what the government tells you you shouldn't do or what a nominal Christian says you should do. We all know those people, right? I have some friends like that on Facebook who call themselves Christians and I hate their postings and I want to delete them off of there, but I need to hear what the other side's thinking. I want to hear their rationale. But I'm not looking for my answers from them either. Where are our answers found? You don't know? Huh? Amen. Somebody still reads the Word of God around here? I want to know what the Bible says. Okay? And don't listen to me. Listen to what the Bible says. Hopefully at the end of the day you go, well, Pastor Joel, he's kind of nuts just like me, but at least he read the Bible today. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. That's all we got to do, right? Just love. It takes care of it all. How many people in this world have been confronted with that? As a Christian, you're in these arguments, you're in these debates and conversations around the table and people don't agree with you and they want to point at you and go, well, you're a Christian, right? God's love, right? You better be loved. I want to say, I hate God. <laughs> I know that's probably not proper English, but does it say Christians are loved? Does it say Christians are loved? But it says God is love. If you get to Thursday of this week and you're somebody's house for Christmas Eve and you know these topics are going to come up, right? I mean, conversations, you're going to talk about health care and politics and religion and everything else that is a hot button for us, right? I want you to think about what you're hearing here today and interject that into your conversation. And when people want to say, God is love, so you better love, here's my statement for today. God is love, and I am not. God is love, and I am not. Now, does that get me off the hook? No. And we're going to read some passages of Scripture later today that will challenge you to not leave it there. One of God's attributes is love. That's not the only one. And we could get into a whole debate on God is just and God is pure and God is holy. But a lot of people want to throw this verse at the Christians. Say, God is love. So you got to love me no matter what I do or say or act or become. But you can't pull one phrase out of one verse in the Bible and develop your whole theology. Right? There's got to be more to it than just three words in the Bible. How many of you beat yourselves up with when you were a kid in Sunday school or maybe in children's church one of your teachers said as a Christian we are to 
turn the other cheek. Is that the answer? Is that the proper response for me as a Christian to turn the other cheek? Let you slap me again? That's an attribute of being a Christian, but we can't base our whole theology in that. We have to get what the entire Bible says, not just bits and pieces. You know, our world is full of bad people. And I'm not advocating that you become a pacifist. That's not what I'm saying. But I am asking you, challenging you today with the proper response of what it means to be a Christian. Lest we think our world is really bad now and it's getting worse and it's never been bad before, let me take you back to a couple of things in the Old Testament. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 2? You probably read part of this passage of Scripture the last week. You never got to this part, though. Remember Herod? The wise men came to Herod and they said, Hey, we heard that there's a new king being born. And we come to see where he's at. What was Herod's response? Oh yeah, where does he live? I want to go come and worship him too. Wink, wink. So the wise men went. They went home a different way. They told Joseph about this. What did Joseph do? What's the proper response as a Christian? What did Joseph do? He took the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh and funded a trip to Egypt to get away from that evil. At least my government isn't hearing about a new president that's being born in Elk River and killing every child in the city two years old and younger because that's what happened in Bethlehem. Not the unborn children, the born children. He had them all killed. What's their response? Let's go a little farther back in the Bible. How about in 2 Samuel chapter 24, when David, he was pretty full of himself, and he thought, I'm going to count how many mighty, strong warriors I have in my country. I'm going to do a census. God said, don't do it. But he did it anyhow. And what happened? Because the leader of that country did something God told him not to do. 70,000 people died in three days. 70,000. Because David did something that God told him not to do. But what did David do? He admitted his wrong, took ownership of his sin, got himself right with God. And turn his country around. So what's my response to the evil in this world of today? I don't think they're killing two-year-olds in Elk River. But we sure are struggling with a lot of difficulty in our lives. I want you to write down somewhere today, Romans chapter 12. And I'm just going to read to you verses 17 through 21, but I want you 
to look at that whole chapter. There's four or five verses before there, before that, that are good verses as well. But what is my response as a Christian? I can tell you all the right things that you should do or the things that you should do because you are of my political belief or bent or because you're like me, but that's not the proper response. That's Joel's response. What does the Bible say we should do? Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says, never pay back evil for evil. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. There's a person that's running for office, and I'm not going to tell you who he is because I'm not condoning this person or not condoning them, but I just want to give you an example of this. There's a man who's running for office as president of the United States, and he's honorable. When he's asked to get into a fight or a discussion or a debate or talk about how somebody's doing something wrong or saying something wrong, he'll never stoop to that level. He'll talk about himself and what he can do and how he can help our country. And in my eyes, that man is honorable. That's what I want people to see of me as a Christian in this world. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. So what's my proper response as a Christian? Be honorable. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. That's difficult. When people do things that you don't like, that you hate, how do you live in peace with them? Your friends never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now, I don't know if we get really revengeful in, uh, in our day, but I certainly can when I'm in a car. Yeah, I don't have this all figured out. You know, when somebody cuts me off or they do something that they shouldn't be doing and I assume they're doing it directly against me because they hate me, boy, that's where revenge can come out, right? I'm going to show you because i got a 7,000-pound vehicle that I'm going to run you off the road with. Is that the proper response as a Christian? No. Do we do it? Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. God's anger is way stronger than mine, right? But it's in his timing, not mine. Doesn't get any easier here, okay? Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Wow. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Don't let evil overcome you. 
Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's in direct reference to the verse before it. How many times, I've read this verse many times and I've used it in the wrong way. Okay, feed your enemies, yeah, give them something to drink, yeah, yeah. But boy, I really like this next part. You get to like throw fire on their head. Yeah. That's out of context. That doesn't make sense in that whole context of that scripture. Let me give you a little background to that. Biblical times when your neighbor got up in the morning and their fire was out because that's how you baked bread for the day, that's how you made your meals for the day, and their fire was out, they came to their neighbor and said, will you give me a coal from your fire so that I can bring it to my house and start a fire? They didn't have matches, you know. Start a fire in your house without a match. Might take you some time, right? Even with a coal, it's going to take you a little bit of time. You got to have tinder and you got to have little sticks and then you got to have kindling. It's going to take you some time to build a fire so you can actually cook something to eat. That's what you were supposed to do for your neighbor. He would come over with this little pan that he would put on his head because you can't carry a hot coal, right? And you would put that coal in his pan and he would walk home and he would start his fire. But if your enemy comes to you and asks for a coal, what are you supposed to do? Give him fire. Heap the burning coals into this pan on his head so when he goes home, he has fire right away. How does he become your enemy if you're going to treat him that way? Enemies become friends. You want to know the proper response as a Christian? There it is. It's not my words. It's not my application to the Bible. It's not all these things you should or shouldn't do. It's not a one, two, three. Read Romans chapter 12. I have one more scripture to share with you because... This stuff isn't easy. And you know, yesterday I was out with a few guys from church and we were sitting around lunch and we were talking about these very same things. And I joined right in with the conversation because that's where I'm at. And I'm learning. I'm trying to learn what the Bible says I need to do as a proper response to the struggles and the atrocities in our world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48. Here's what it says. You have heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's in Exodus. But if you were to pull out your Bible today and actually read it out of your Bible instead of off a screen, these words are in red, which means they're Jesus' words. But Jesus says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Wow. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. 
I don't know about you, but it's uh, difficult to pray for those people that you really don't like. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? If you like the people that like you, why do we go to church with people that we like? Because we like to worship together, right? Why do you eat lunch with your friends? Because you like them. You ever invite an enemy to lunch? <laughs> well, I don't want to eat with them. Even corrupt politicians do that much. Oh, it's just tax collectors. <laughs> politicians hang out with their own kind as well. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Remember, we're followers of Christ. We're Christians. Even pagans do that. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. God doesn't have to give sunlight to evil people. Right? God could choose just to send sunlight to people he likes. And God could choose to send rain just on the farmer who is just or who calls himself a Christian and not send rain on those he doesn't like or the unjust. But God doesn't do that. Why doesn't he? Because he's the perfect example. And this next verse is going to smack you right between the eyes. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. God is love. I am not. Does that give me an out? No. Because Matthew chapter 5 says be perfect. Be perfect in your love for others. It's really easy to love people that are like you. It's really easy to feed people that are like you. It's really easy to pray for your friends and your family. What about your enemies and those who persecute you? God sends rain on the just and the unjust. God sends sunlight to good and bad. Why? Because he sets an example to us how to love perfectly. And then he says to us, do the same. We can't be perfect. But we can follow God's example, and by God's help, I can pray for those people that I don't like. I can feed and clothe people that I don't like. I can heap burning coals on their head. I was trying to find a really good illustration of how to close this message. Sitting in my office, staring at the walls, going, okay, where in your world have you been this type of person? How am I going to wow these people with how good I am and how I've shown love to my enemy and all the world got better? And I ain't got it. I don't have that example in my life. Remember I said, I'm preaching to me as I'm preaching to you. I don't have that 
illustration in my world. I used to spend a lot of time in Mexico and um, used to bring a lot of people into that country and minister there. I developed a love for those people. Spent a lot of time with them, prayed with them, ministered alongside them, had them in my home, were in a lot of their homes, have many friends in that country, grew to have a heart for them that I never knew I could have. Man, I grew up in northern Minnesota. I didn't even know a Mexican. I hated Mexican food. God changed all that in my world. I love the Hispanic culture. But a couple years ago, Pastor Paul said, we're going to start supporting some missionaries in a country called Iraq. Do I like those people? No, let's be real honest. I don't like them at all. I don't like what they've done to our country. I don't like the fear they spread in our country. And then they said, oh, by the way, you're going to go over there with a team of people from our church. And I'm struggling in my heart because I love Mexican people and I love going and ministering there. And I really don't like these people from the Middle East and I really don't want to go there. And I remember standing on the street corner there and we're across the street from a mosque and we're praying for the people of that country. And I'm just asking God, just give me the heart to even pray for these people because it ain't in me. And he's still working on me. I've been there twice and we're going again in April. And each time I get a little better at loving those people. But it isn't me. It's what God's doing in my heart. So, what is your proper response as a Christian? Well, I want you to read Romans chapter 12 today. I want you to meditate on that. And I want you to know that God is love and you are not. But you can become love. And I woke up this morning and God gave me another verse and I just want to share this with you as we close. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let me just challenge you with that today and bless you as you leave today that you have an answer when you get into these conversations and struggles. And please don't go down the road of hate. Because that's not going to solve anything in our world. That's not going to solve anything in our country. We all love to hear the good news stories, right? You watch the news and you hear terrible things that are going on. People murdering people and people struggling and fighting and anger and issues. And then they'll throw in there a a feel-good story. Somebody does something good for somebody else. And you just go, ah, why can't our world be like that? Why can't the news reports be full of every time they do a, a good feeling report, 
Here's the Christians once again showing love. Here's the Christians once again with the proper response of how we respond in our world. We can change our world. But we have to have the heart and the mind of Christ. And we gotta love perfectly like he showed us how to love perfectly. Let me pray. Lord, I just wanna thank you for the country that we live in, the opportunities that we have, that you have given to us. But Lord, along with that comes a responsibility. We call ourselves Christians, and we want to know the proper way to respond, not only to our neighbors and our enemies, but to our world. Lord, may we be an example and a light that shines for all. May we truly be the gospel to the world. Be with us this day and give us a great opportunity to worship and fellowship together in this new year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.